Welcome back to the Oasis Church Podcast. We're so glad you're here. As a church, we believe that you're made for this, and God has a plan for your life. Here's this week's message. Hey, why don't you high-five somebody and say church is about to be good today. Church is about to be good today. Church is about to be good today. I'm ready for the word. I am ready for the Word of God. I'm so excited about this sermon today. We're in a new series called L.A. Needs You. Somebody say, L.A. Needs Me. And what I'm hoping this this series does, by the power of the Holy Spirit, is I'm hoping that this series shifts you into what God has called you to do. And that we would stop living in L.A. wanting uh, L.A. to do something for us, being discouraged because uh, uh, we're not getting what we need from L.A., uh, even wanting to move, even though God's called us here, but we're not getting what we need from L.A., and I hope you get blessed. I hope you get what you're believing for, but God has not put you in L.A. because you need L.A. God has put you in L.A. because L.A. needs you. L.A. needs you. You are here for a purpose. And I want to encourage you that uh, God is doing something special as we lean into the word. So I decided in this particular series, I I shouldn't say I decided, I felt like the Lord was speaking to me to stay in the book of Daniel. Uh, Daniel was a prophet that I believe that L.A. needs right now. And so for me, we're going to stay in Daniel as long as the Holy Spirit uh, wants me to, but I'm not. This series, L.A. Needs, you're going to stay in the book of Daniel. So if you were here last week, we went through Daniel chapter 1. Anybody here last week and you were encouraged from Daniel chapter 1 and what the Lord had to say? And so this week, obviously, we're in Daniel chapter 2. But I want you to be able to keep up. So if you didn't come to church last week, please try your best to, to be in the house of the Lord every Sunday. Like, I get it, you got brunch plans. But if there's any way you could be here over this next several weeks, you really got to be in the house of the Lord. And if you missed it last week, make sure you take some time this week to catch up on Daniel chapter one, because it kind of all comes together. So I'm going to jump straight into the scriptures because there are 50 Bible verses. Yeah, somebody say, "Woo, that's more Bible verses than some of y'all read all year long. But we're getting ready to change that today, man. The word of God is powerful. Bible says it's alive powerful and active. It says the word of the Lord, word of God is alive, powerful and active. And while I'm on that, um, that word translated is not logos. So logos is the Holy Bible, but that word is actually translated rhema, which is God's word declared. Not only do some of y'all need to learn to read your Bible, logos, you need to learn to declare your Bible, rhema. It's not just what goes into your heart and stays there. It's what goes into your heart and comes out of your mouth. As believers start to declare the word of God over their situation, not your own opinion or your own desires, but the word of God, God's going to move something. So I'm hoping that through Daniel, which if you look at it at face value, can be a complex and hard to understand book. I'm really believing that God's going to give our church revelation from Daniel so we would all understand that L.A. needs us. Anybody excited? to hear from Daniel chapter 2. Daniel chapter 2 verse 1 begins with this. One night during the second year of his reign, Nebuchadnezzar had such disturbing dreams that he couldn't sleep. He called in his magicians, enchanters, sorcerers, and astrologers 
He called in his tarot card readers, his psychics, uh, his uh, uh, um, Buddhist med meditations. He called in all these other different elements to see if they could give him the interpretation of his dream. Does that sound familiar? In LA, everybody's always calling on something else other than Jesus. They call on the psychics. They call on the universe. They call on the sage burning. And some of y'all, I love you so much, man, but if you are a believer and the Lord reveals to you what he's gonna do in your life and then he does it, please stop telling people and taking all the glory that you manifested it. Oh, I knew that nobody was going to clap for that. You did not manifest the blessings of the Lord in your life. Because if that's the case, when you broke and you come to me, I'm going to say, well, that's what you manifested. Whenever something bad, the devil did it. But whenever something good, we did it. You late for work, car breakdown, the devil's a lie. No, your alternator's a lie. You ain't changed your oil in eight years talking about the devil is a lie trying to keep me from my blessing. No, your car need an oil change. It ain't always the devil. Sometimes, come on, can we be honest? Say, sometimes it's me. Sometimes it's me. It ain't the devil. But we're not careful. We go to all these other sources and we're looking for something that makes sense, but it ain't God. So he says he went to all these people. And he demanded that they tell him what he had dreamed. As they stood before the king, he said, I have had a dream that deeply troubles me, and I must know what it means. Then the astrologers, who Bible scholars say, practice sorcery, spells, and witchcraft, answered the king in Aramaic. Long live the king. Tell us the dream, and we will tell you what it means. And the reason why they were doing that is, you ever go to Barnes and Nobles and there's that spiritual section, and there's all these weird books on spells and stuff. That stuff is thousands of years old. Don't y'all ever buy one of them books, by the way. And these books that were called uh, uh, Akkadian Dream Manuals. And in these books, they had symbols about whatever dream means. So if you've had a dream like before, you ever had a dream and like there were elephants and they were all galloping on the middle of Wilshire and I didn't know what it meant. And you go to somebody who goes, well, elephants mean prosperity. And it's like, eh. you know, like you could have just had too much chili. Doesn't mean God's trying to give you a dream. But like at the end of the day, like there are real gifts of dream interpretations. But if that person ain't a Christian, they're, they're using some other source. So they actually had these Akkadian dream manuals and they would open up these demonic other God, other spirit manuals and try to tell you what your dream meant. That's how they interpreted the dream. But the king said to the astrologers, I'm serious about this. If you don't tell me what my dream was and what it means, you will be torn limb from limb and your houses will be turned into heaps of rubble. But if you tell me what I dreamed and what the dream means, I will give you many wonderful gifts and honors. Just tell me the dream and what it means. They said again, please, your majesty, tell us the dream and we will tell you what it means. The king replied, I know what y'all are doing. You're stalling for time because you know I'm serious when I say, if you don't tell me the dream, you are doomed. So you've conspired to tell me lies, hoping I will change my mind. But tell me the dream, and then I'll know you can tell me what it means. 
the astrologers replied to the king, no one on earth can tell the king his dream. And no king, however great and powerful, has ever asked such a thing of any magician, enchanter, or astrologer. Can I just stop right there and say what God is getting ready to do in L.A., no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no one has ever done it. Can I just submit to you right now that many of us actually don't have dreams and many of us actually don't have visions from God? We actually have just seen what someone else has done and we're asking God to do that but more? Anybody ever ask God to do less than what you've seen someone? No, God is doing something new. New. How many people know our Bible says that God is doing a new thing? Isaiah 43, 19, God is doing what? A new thing. But right before that, he doesn't say that he's doing a new thing in place of a bad thing. He's doing a new thing in place of an old thing that he did. So you're letting go of the old way that God used to do something and taking hold of the new way that God wants to do it. But comparison is not where we get those dreams and those visions. We get those dreams and those visions from the word of God and the presence of God. And they say, We've never heard of a king that would ask for something like this. And listen what he says in verse 11. The king's demand is impossible. Somebody say impossible. I'm going to break this down for you real quick because we're getting ready to find out why they said it's impossible. They didn't say it was impossible because they weren't talking about it was impossible because they didn't have the skill to do it. They said this, no one except the gods... How many gods are there in L.A.? No one except the gods can tell you your dream and what's wrong with our gods. They don't live among the people. And they were absolutely right. Their gods don't live among the people. But the God we serve, Jesus, came and tabernacled and made his dwelling place among us. John 1 verse 10 through 14 says this about Jesus. He came into the very world he created, but the world did not recognize him. He came to his own people and even they rejected him. But to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. They are reborn, born again, not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a new birth that comes from God. So Jesus, who was the walking, talking word of God, became human and made his home among us. So yes, what you're called to do in L.A., is absolutely impossible if you are serving and worshiping a God that does not dwell. The impossibility is because they were serving a God that did not dwell. But our Bible tells us that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And together, the Holy Spirit dwells, which means what? Remains. So there's nothing you can do to get the Holy Spirit or Jesus to leave you. You can grieve the Holy Spirit. You can quench the Holy Spirit. But you cannot get the Holy Spirit to pack its bags, which Ultimately, when we say God will never leave you or forsake you, we think that's an excuse to grieve and quench the Holy Spirit. 
Do you know that there's certain things that you can do where the Holy Spirit is lighting a fire in a space you're called to, and then you take an action, and the fire that the Holy Spirit is lighting in your life in the entertainment industry is quenched. We can do things on this platform to quench the Holy Spirit. So just because God will not leave you does not mean he, he cannot be grieved and doesn't mean the Holy Spirit cannot be quenched, which represents putting a blanket over a fire. Why is this important to understand? Because even the astrologers knew that this had to come from a God. But they were worshiping and seeking the wrong gods. I believe we let in other things along with Jesus. Because we don't feel complete and satisfied with Jesus. So it's Jesus and vibes. Jesus and energies. Jesus and this, and this religion, and this, and that, and let's make it all together, and, and we're not careful. We are drifting away from this understanding that only God can do, and there's one God and one true God, and all things come through him, for him, and to exalt him. And Jesus shows up in your situation. Jesus came. That's the difference. Every God that every other, and this is not the disrespect of the religions, this is the truth. Every other religion, God is somewhere else. And how you please God, who is very far away, is by doing something very far away. When the Holy Spirit is here, right now in this room, in you, in me, and he manifests himself through the word of God. Jesus became the word. And so um, they're saying it's impossible because the gods... They don't live here, but Jesus does. It says, so when Arioch, the commander of the king's guard, in verse 14, came to kill them, Daniel handled the situation with wisdom and discretion. He asked Arioch, why has the king issued such a harsh decree? Do y'all understand how wise Daniel is? Literally, the king's going, I'm about to kill everybody. Everybody up in here. Can you imagine someone coming to you, you didn't do anything wrong, and you're a prophet, and some wicked king said, everybody's about to die. And you go, wow, that's harsh. <laughs> Just zero fear for humans. You only fear and revere God. There's not even an ounce of fear in his voice. Wow, that's kind of harsh. Wonder why he wants to kill me. What's going on? And it goes on to say, so Arioch told him all that happened. Daniel went in at once to see the king. And, and listen to this. He requested more time to tell the king what the dream meant. Now, if you were here last week, you would see that in Daniel chapter 1, we heard that Daniel was trained in Babylon culture, Babylonian culture for three years, trained for three years to be able to answer this question. And have you ever figured out that sometimes when God is doing his best work, you've been in training and then a situation comes up that you didn't learn about in your preparation? And it's not your preparation, and it's not as your, your planning, and it is not your training that's going to release the blessing of God. You need to ask for more time. Not more time to plan. Not more time to have a meeting. Let's read about what Daniel asked for more time to do. In verse 17, it says, Then Daniel went home and told his friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah what happened, and he urged them to ask. 
to pray to the God of heaven. We need more time to pray. Some of you guys have been asking for more time to plan. I know I've been doing that. More time to plan, more time to pray, more time to process, more time to think about, but you need more time to pray. Seek the Lord about what he might do. Already we're seeing if we're going to be something in LA, we can't do what other people do. We don't ask other, other, other entities. We don't ask other gods. We don't submit to other gods. We don't ask more time to think about. We don't ask more time to process. We don't ask more time to plan. We ask for more time, church, to pray. There are so many times when something happens and I see somebody praying and they go, well, now all we can do is pray. After y'all tried everything else. Prayer, seeking God. Seeking God for his wisdom, seeking God. The witchcraft people, the tarot card readers, the psychics, the chanters, they said what you ask for is impossible. Daniel said, give me a little bit more time. Who knows? Maybe my God. Now, the king reversed his order and gave Daniel time to pray. You got to understand how powerful this is. It says Daniel went home. He urged them to ask the God of heaven to show them his mercy by telling them the secret. What? Mercy? Mercy is what you ask for when you did something wrong. He didn't ask for the answer. He asked for the answer. He asked for the mercy. Not the answer, the mercy. Why? Because what was the reason that his people were in Babylon from disobeying God's word. So he knew I deserve to die. So instead of pretending that God owes me what I'm asking for, I'm going to ask the God of the heavens for his mercy. Do you hear the humility in that? You've been working on something for five years. They're getting ready to kill you. And you go, God, I need your mercy. Not, well, I've been tithing for 15 years. How long are you going to let me be single? How long are you going to let me go through this, Lord? When are you going to, you see the attitude when we pray? Some of y'all, man, we got to give God as long to fix it as we took messing it up. Who am I? You've been running wild in the streets for 15 years, and you go to growth track one week. God, where are you? He said, come on now. You've been trifling since DMX first album. I'm going to need you to be a little bit more patient. And in case y'all don't know who DMX is, he dropped his first album in 99. So just because you came to the Lord in the pandemic, stop rushing God's plan for your life. And if you want to rush it and you want to speed it up, ask God for his. Oh, I feel like throwing this binder already. We need some humble people to ask God for his mercy. There is nothing on record I feel like preaching today. Do you know later in the Bible it would say that, that the enemies of Daniel tried to find out something wrong about him and they could find nothing? Something about his character and they found nothing. So here is a man that if you investigated his character, you would find nothing and he's still humble enough to ask for mercy. But some of us, myself included, we ask God for favor before we ask God for mercy. Mercy is asking God to withhold the bad thing you deserve. 
Grace is asking God to give you the good thing you don't deserve. So when you're humble and you're asking for grace and mercy, you, the good thing I want from you, God, I don't deserve it, grace. The bad thing I deserve, withhold it, mercy. Why is he asking for mercy? Because the king wants to kill him. And he's saying, I'm worthy of death. Not the interpretation, not the blessing, not the booked audition, not the closed business deal, not preaching opportunities. What I'm worthy of is death. So since death is trying to come to me, I realize that I'm worthy of this consequence of death because my people have disobeyed. So instead of asking what I don't deserve, the good thing, let me ask the God of mercy to withhold the bad thing I do deserve, which is death. I deserve what Christ took on the cross. So before I ask for grace, I would love to ask for mercy. I don't know if you know this about your Bible in Hebrews chapter 10, but the blood we are singing about, the Bible says that blood of Jesus hit the mercy seat in heaven. It didn't hit the grace seat. It didn't hit the hope seat. It didn't hit the peace seat. I it didn't hit the faith seat. I hope you have all those things, but the blood of Jesus, the reason why God can bless us is the blood of Jesus is dripping on the mercy seat in heaven. So when you ask for mercy, you activate the blood. Jesus. And when you try to do it yourself, you think you're putting your, your calling, your hope on your own blood. But when you ask for mercy, you activate the blood of Jesus in your life. Do you know how powerful this is to ask for mercy? So Daniel asked for mercy. He urged them to ask God of the heaven to show them mercy by telling the secret so they, not would, so they would not be executed along with all the other wise men of Babylon. Listen to verse 19. That night, somebody say that night. The secret was revealed to Daniel in a vision. Now, if that happened to me, the first thing I'm doing is going to the king. I'm going to walk in there real slow because nobody knows the dream. So I'm going to walk in there and go, um, king, Nebby, <laughs> Nebs, finger gunning. <laughs> so I prayed. Thanks for giving me the time, by the way. That was so, just so refreshing. Um, but me and, and the boys, we were praying. And um, you feel like God may have given us the interpretation. So let me tell you what it means. Here you go. That's what I would have done. You know what Daniel did? The Bible says he did not need human confirmation. He didn't go to the king. The Bible says that Daniel praised the God of the heavens and said, praise the name of God forever and ever, for he has all wisdom and power. He controls the course of world events. He removes kings and sets up other kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the scholars. He reveals deep and mysterious things and knows what lies hidden in darkness, though he's surrounded by light. I thank and praise the God of my ancestors, for you have past tense, giving me wisdom and strength. You have told me what was asked of you and revealed to us what the king has demanded. He didn't even know if the interpretation was right according to Nebuchadnezzar, but he praised God in advance. I wish somebody in this place could praise God in advance. You haven't even seen God do it yet, 
but he told you. I wish there was a hundred people that would stop waiting for God to do it and say, oh, I got the revelation. Let me stand to my feet in God's presence right now and thank him in advance. I thank him in advance for the healing. I thank him in advance for the blessing. I thank him in advance for the city being reached. I thank him in advance. I wish there were 200 people that had the faith to thank God early. Everybody's always late to the party, but not me. I thank you, Jesus, that you have called me. I thank you, Jesus, for the saved marriage. My wife is still trifling. My husband is still trifling, but you already gave me the word just saving my marriage. So I'll praise you today. I'm a believer that can thank God in advance. I thank him for the blessing. I thank him for the provision. I thank him for the hope. I have anxiety right now, but I thank him for the peace I'm getting when I wake up in the morning. Weeping may endure for the night, but my Bible says, joy will come in the morning. Somebody give God one minute of the craziest in advance praise. I'm giving God praise on credit. Some of y'all in debt because people gave you money on credit and you can't give God praise on credit. Give God praise in advance. He's good for it. Turn to your neighbor and say he's good for it. Praise him in advance. Man, I would have walked into Nebuchadnezzar nervous. Nebs. Daniel got the revelation. He walks in there like. He, he walks in there like Denzel from training day. I'm putting cases. He, he told the false prophets, y'all going to be playing basketball in Pelican Bay. He knew he heard from God. He was a real prophet. Showed up to Nebuchadnezzar. Daniel was cold as ice. Says, then Daniel went in to see Ariok, whom the king had ordered to execute the wise men of Babylon. And Daniel said to him, whoa, don't kill the wise men. So now what Daniel, God has revealed to Daniel is already saving people. Do you know that what God reveals to you in this season could save somebody in the city of Los Angeles? L.A. needs you to walk in revelation. Because he could have said, only my God knows, so let's kill everybody. No, he said, don't kill the wise men. Take me to the king, and I will tell him the meaning of his dream. Ariok quickly took Daniel to the king and said, I have found one of the captives from Judah who will tell the king the meaning of his dream. The king said to Daniel, also known as Belteshazzar, is this true? Can you tell me what my dream was and what it means? Daniel replied, there are no wise men, enchanters, magicians or fortune tellers, no sage burners, no Buddhist chanters, no, no energy watchers, no vibe protectors. There's nobody who can reveal the king's secret. But there is a God. Did you hear what I just said? He said, just so you know, 
this is not me. You can't go to anybody. You got to go straight to the source. I know you're about to think it's me, but I need you to know there is a God. There is nobody who could execute this business plan I'm getting ready to execute. But there is a God. There is nobody that could resurrect this marriage situation I'm in. But there is a God. See, God needs people in L.A. to tell people it is not me. I did not manifest this. There is a God. Because if you did manifest it, now you got to manifest keeping it. Good luck. Good luck. That's not the way it works. But that's our pride going, this is what I did. This is what I did for the Lord to bless. No. L.A. and many of us in this room, I'm telling you right now, one of the ways, I, I pray for people multiple times, and this is not guilt or shame. This is me teaching. So my sheep know my voice. Y'all know I love you. You, not, you know I love So if you don't know I love you, then tell some, ask somebody in here who knows me, does he love us? Because somebody needs to get rid of some crystals at home right now. You got on a crystal necklace talking about this is jade and this keeps the spirits away. No, the Every demon will tremble at the name of Jesus. Did you hear what I just said? You don't need a crystal. You don't need a chin. You don't need a Buddhist meditation. Demons run. Matter of fact, my Bible says submit to God, resist the devil, and the devil himself takes off running. So if the devil runs from believers, all of his little intern demon college demons flee the room when you mention the name of Jesus. Throw the crystal in the trash. Throw your neighbor, throw the crystals in the trash. Throw the crystals in the trash. I don't need no onyx. I have Jesus. I have Jesus. He's telling the king, just so you know, none of that stuff works. He didn't give him the interpretation yet. He just said, none of that stuff works. None of that stuff works. And by the way, it doesn't mean it's not real. It doesn't work. Let me tell you something, man. Like, I get it, man. There's people do crazy stuff on Halloween. My kids went and got Skittles. <laughs> Just because you dress up for Halloween don't make you worship the devil. Like, some of y'all dress up for church don't mean you're worshiping Jesus. Because you, you can put on a suit all you want to and then go home and sprinkle crystal dust in your bathtub for positive vibes. Church, I love you so much. But all you need is Jesus. He's enough. My Bible says that when he died on the cross, he said, it is finished. Every time you pick up a crystal, every time you listen to a voice, and by the way, oh, I'm preaching right now. I wish they put six more minutes on the clock. I need six more minutes because John chapter 10 says the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. Tell me who's the thief. Trick question. Who's the thief? No. The thief can be the devil. It is not always the devil. Because Jesus in that same verse says, I'm the door. 
The door you need for spirituality is me, which means there's other doors. I'm the door. Anyone that does not come through me is a thief and a robber. And the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. We said it was the devil because the devil's always a thief. But any person who comes to your life and tries to give you spiritual advice that didn't come through Christ is there to steal something. I'm going to kick. Give me a binder to kick off this stage right now. I wish somebody could praise God for the thief we're deleting out of our phone right now. Would you let anybody close to you that is known for stealing something? Even if that person was smart and could give you advice. If they didn't come through Jesus and they're denying Jesus, they're a thief. I gave somebody a word of knowledge in the, in the last service. They went to a psychic and the psychic told them that they had heard from their grandmother. And their grandmother said something to them. And their grandmother is absolutely in heaven. And their grandmother does believe along a line with Jesus. But because they rejected Jesus, it opened up a door for continuation grief. So now she believes or he believes that they cannot do what God has called them to do because their grandmother is not here to give them continued advice. So although the word was accurate, it was demonic. By the way, the number one attribute for false prophets is not inaccuracy. It is accuracy, but God did not send them. So just because the word is right doesn't mean it ain't demonic. What did the devil quote to Jesus at his temptation? The word. Psalm 91. He tried to make the rhema and the logos demonic. He said, jump from the temple for the word says. The source is as important as the content. Oh, man, Lord, you got to help me get through the rest of this verse. Because we don't understand that Daniel was establishing the authority of God's word and the authority of God. I don't have permission to listen to other voices. Because those other voices, if they did not come through Christ, are a thief. Um. He says, there's a God. Now, I'll tell you the dream. This is in verse 28. Daniel was such a G. He says, but there is a God in heaven who reveals secrets, and he has shown the king, Nebuchadnezzar, what will happen in the future. And listen to Daniel. Now, I will tell you your dreams and the visions you saw as you lay on your bed. That was for free, by the way, Nebuchadnezzar, because you only asked me for the interpretation. But I'll tell you where you got it. You got it while you was laying on your bed. Ah, that's just for free, Nebuchadnezzar. The Lord not only showed me your dream, he showed me where you were when you had it. So just in case you don't think this is God, let me give you a little something extra on what you asked for. While your majesty was sleeping, you dreamed about coming events. He who reveals secrets has shown you what is going to happen. And it is not because I'm wiser than anyone else that I know the secret of your dream, but because God wants you to understand what was in your heart. In your vision, your majesty, you saw standing before you a huge shining statue of a man. It was a frightening sight. The head of the statue was made of fine gold. Its chest and arms were silver. Its belly and thighs were bronze. Its legs were iron, and its feet were a combination of iron and baked clay. As you watched, a rock was cut from a mountain, but not by human hands. It struck the feet of iron and clay, smashing them to bits. The whole statue was crushed into small pieces of iron, clay, bronze, silver, and gold. Then the wind blew them away like a ch without a trace. 
like shaft. Shave? Shaft? I don't know. Shave? Shaft? I always pronounce that wrong. Natasha told me and I still forgot. On the threshing floor. But the rock that knocked the statue down became a great mountain that covered the whole earth. That was the dream. Now we will tell the king what it means. I got to remind you, his homies wasn't there. Who's the we he's talking about? Me and God. The God that does not dwell is here right now, giving me the authority and the power to tell you what the Lord is saying to you. Now we will tell the king what it means. Your majesty, you are the greatest of kings. The God of heaven has given you sovereignty, power, strength, and honor. He has made you the ruler of all the inhabited world and has put even the wild animals and birds under your control. I wish I would have said this at the 930. Whose calling was it to have sovereignty, power, strength, and honor? And whose calling was it to be ruler over the inhabited world? And whose calling was it to have the wild animals and birds under their control? Adam and Eve. This is what happens when we don't obey God. God allows people that are not of God to participate in what he has asked us to do. Why? Because when we get back to obeying God, all authority and all power belongs to God and we become ambassadors of God's kingdom. That's our calling. Whenever you see authority in the Bible, but if the word has no authority in your life, you cannot have authority over any dark kingdoms. The word has to have more authority in your life in this season. And so he's breaking this down. This is deep. And then Daniel goes, but after your kingdom comes to an end, another kingdom inferior to yours will rise to take your place. He's prophesying over four different kingdoms. And every Bible scholar agrees that the first kingdom is Babylon. Almost every Bible scholar agrees that the second kingdom is the, the, the Medo-Persian Empire. Listen to this word. Your kingdom will come to an end and another kingdom inferior to yours will take its place. The Medo-Persian Empire had more land, more money, more resources, and a bigger army than Babylon. So why was it inferior? It was morally inferior. So he was saying that the next kingdom that takes your place is going to be more morally corrupt than yours. They're going to follow God less than you do. It wasn't power. It was honor. It, it wasn't power. It wasn't honor. It wasn't land. It was a morally inferior kingdom. It says these four kingdoms are going to get worse morally. They're going to move further away from what God's word has to say about morality and character. And so he goes, he goes on. He says, but after that kingdom has fallen, yet a third kingdom represented by bronze will rise to rule the world. Following that kingdom, there will be a fourth one as strong as iron. That kingdom will smash and crush all previous empires just as iron smashes and crushes everything it strikes. The feet and toes you saw were a combination of iron and baked clay, showing that this last fourth kingdom will be divided. Like iron mixed with clay, it will have some of the strength of the iron, but while some of its parts will be as strong as iron, other parts will be weak as clay. This mixture of iron and clay also shows that these kingdoms will try to strengthen themselves by forming alliances with each other through intermarriage. And that wasn't racial alliances. That was often spiritual alliances. 
So they would marry themselves to other gods and other things out there. So even now, in L.A., what is Christianity doing? Trying to marry itself to other things and going, not just Jesus, but also this. Trying to strengthen their faith. And it's one God. He goes, but they will not hold together, just as iron and clay do not mix. During the reign of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed or conquered. It will crush all these kingdoms into nothingness, and it will stand forever. What kingdom is that, church? The kingdom of God. What did Jesus say when he showed up and preached? Repent and be baptized, for the kingdom of God is near. Here's what's encouraging about this verse, is that this verse is taking place in the time of Babylon, and there were actually four empires from the time of Babylon until the time of today, only four empires. There was the Babylonian Empire, which we're reading about right now, the Medo-Persian Empire, the Greek Empire, where uh, like Troy, the movie, and Achilles, that was the, the Greek Empire, and the last one was the Roman Empire. Now, notice in this prophecy, he says the Roman Empire had iron and clay in its toes, representing that that kingdom would be divided. Later, the Roman Empire would break up into the Eastern Roman Empire and the Western, Western Roman Empire, and even that Roman Empire fell. And since the Roman Empire, there has not been another empire in the world except the kingdom of God. It is the only one. And so what should encourage you about reading the book of Daniel is during the book of Daniel, none of those things had happened. And as we read today, all of them have, which means what? Daniel, oh my God, is sitting in the presence of Nebuchadnezzar thousands of years ago prophesying about you. Because you are a part of that fifth kingdom that will never end and will reign with Christ forever. Do you know? Because sometimes we read the Bible like it's a superhero. Daniel was talking about you and me. So if God would give Daniel a word about you and what God would do through God's people if they just submitted to him, do you not think that God is going to move right here, right now in this city through you? We have to stop waiting for God to show up and do something. God showed up. Jesus coming. No, Jesus sat down at the right hand of the Father, filled y'all with his Holy Spirit, and said, get it done. My work is finished. Yours is just beginning. And he birthed the church, and he put the church in cities so that those churches in the cities would make things on earth as it is in heaven. That is your calling. That is your assignment. And let me tell you something. L.A. needs you. Needs you. And as the team comes up, let me break this down to you because there's a lot I can unpack about kingdoms. But there is one thing I will tell you about kingdoms. All kingdoms have consequences. All of them. If a king is running something, there is always dire consequences for not doing what the king wants. This country was established trying to escape a kingdom. The United Kingdom. And there was a king. And they were telling them what they could do and telling them what gods they could pray to and, and, and telling them what, what could happen and what couldn't happen. And so... America was founded trying to escape a king who kept giving them dire consequences for the things that the king didn't want them to do. We read in this chapter of scripture that the Babylonian king had dire consequences for the people who didn't interpret their dream. Sometimes we're in the church space, and this is supposed to be a community, not a kingdom. I'm not your king. 
But I have to be careful because if there are dire consequences for not doing what I want you to do, whether you're an intern or staff, if there's for not doing exactly what I want you to do, even if what I want you to do ain't God, then I'm establishing a kingdom. Have you noticed? Even in the, the world where people are, you know, experimenting with their sexuality, in my opinion, in the 80s, that was a community that believed a certain way. But now it's starting to become a kingdom. Why? Because if you don't align yourself with exactly what they believe, there are dire consequences. That's the way it works. If you're trying to give people consequences for not doing what you want them to do, you are not a part of a kingdom. You are building one. And that's the realest talk I could ever give you. So I'm not even into, I know what I believe. I'm not judging what other people believe. God, I'm judging in the church. I'm watching, are there dire consequences for not participating in that? And if there is, that's a kingdom. Whether it's in the church, and what saddens me the most is I believe oftentimes people have learned that from the church itself. Because we had too many leaders that set up kingdoms where they just discarded people for not doing exactly what they wanted them to do. And now the world saw that that works and they start doing something. Now we mad at them for doing what they learned from us. I am not your king. This is not my church. I don't have permission to build the church I want. I only have permission empowerment to build the church Jesus. If Jesus is your savior, but he is not your king, you will bow eventually to the kingdoms of this world. And you will mix your theology and mix your faith with other things because he's your savior, but he's not your king. And eventually, in order to survive, you will bow. And can I pray for someone in this room? You're not broken because there's something wrong with you. You're broken because you bowed. When it was time for you to stand for what you believe in, you didn't because you didn't want to be rejected by these worldly kingdoms. Never, never, never bow. Never. You don't have to judge. You don't have to call anything out. You don't have to be mean. I don't agree with calling out culture, but I will not. We're going to read in Daniel chapter 4. I'm preaching it early. Daniel would not bow. He didn't even call it out. There's nothing on record that he rebuked Nebuchadnezzar for being wrong, but what he would not do is he would not bow to any kingdom but the kingdom of God. So you need to watch for the consequences of these earthly kingdoms and never be afraid of the consequences of earthly kingdoms and bow to avoid the consequences. If they cancel you, let them cancel you. If they don't give you the job, let them not give you the job. We don't bow to any other king because when Christ returns in that fifth kingdom, the Bible says every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Christ is Lord. Every kingdom has consequences. I want you to stand to your feet because here's what's crazy. I know you've been told that God is gracious and he is. I know you've been told that God is love and he is. And here's why it's easy. You can come grab that. And here's why it makes sense for you to be told that. Because even God's kingdom has consequences. Make no mistake about it. God's kingdom has consequences. The difference is, is all these kingdoms of the world, where it's the, the, the kingdom of what you believe about sexuality, the kingdom of the Republican Party, the kingdom of the Democratic Party, they're all spending all their time 
trying to give consequences to people who don't believe what they believe. And in many ways, they learned that from the kingdom that we tried to set up as pastors in the church. And that saddens my heart. This is not a kingdom. This is God's kingdom. But the difference is, in God's kingdom, there's consequences too. But God gave all those consequences to Jesus, not you. When we sang of the blood, we're singing of Jesus taking the consequences that every kingdom has. And he took the consequences of your sin. He took the consequences of your mistake. And the Bible says that Jesus became sin, that we might become the righteousness of God. So why would you bow to anybody else's consequences when we can be a part of a kingdom where Christ took all the consequences? And many of you pray for change in an area because you think there are consequences for the things you have not changed. And you have not received the gospel. The reason why God's not taking it away in prayer is because you have not thanked and praised God that even though I still have this issue, you gave the consequences of this issue to Jesus on the cross. So let your blood cleanse me, not accountability. The blood washes me clean and makes me white as snow. The church has replaced the blood with accountability. Let me tell somebody, accountability has its place. It has its place, but accountability will never replace the blood that washes me clean. So if you stand here before God knowing that you are worthy of the consequences of the cross, you can have the blood of Jesus. Before he washes your habit clean, he has to wash your guilt clean and your shame clean that often religious and judgmental people have brought on you. Let the blood of Jesus wash it all the way today. Who needs to be washed in the blood of Jesus? I'm raising my hand today. If you are in this place and you need the blood of Jesus to wash away your consequences, thank you, Lord. Just lift your hands to the heavens right now and receive the free gift of righteousness. If you need to come to the Lord right now or you need to come back to him, begin to receive the blood of Jesus right now over your life. We thank you, Lord. Thanks for joining us. Be sure to subscribe, review, and share with a friend. To join us on the journey of being present, connected, and generous, visit oasisla.org connect. We love you so much and we'll see you soon.